Another very special Pop Gaze the Tam Tam Advent episode. Now that we've reached Advent door number six, I've completely run out of ideas as to how to make these intros interesting or exciting. <laughs> so if you want to come along to my Instagram, which is Pop Goes the Tam Tam, yes, we're on Instagram, and drop me a DM as to what I could say that could be potentially funny, please go ahead and do this. I won't stop you. <laughs> Back to the calendar. And as I open door number six, here are some clues. A glowing gem, brains in jars, and a baby. That's right. We're going to be discussing the 12th Doctor Christmas special, The Return of Doctor Mysterio. Who are you? The Doctor. 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 Uh, the ghost. Who's the ghost? Masked vigilante, but he's super. Seems nice. We're here to open your minds. What are those brain things? For this episode, I've been joined by a very special guest and someone friends of the pod will instantly recognise. Announce yourself, special guest. Hi, it's me, Nick. That's right, live in the building. Tams's mum is back. I mean, the credits are rolling and we have just finished watching The Return of Dr Mysterio. And I have to say, when this one popped up on the list, I couldn't remember what it was about. I couldn't remember at all. And I thought, when we started watching, I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be awful. And it's going to be boring. I mean, I think it's at the bottom of a lot of people's Christmas specials watch list. But I have to say, I think it's much maligned. It was a chuckle fest from start to finish. It really was. It was fair and it was cleverly done. It really was the, the comic timing in it. it. It was, I loved every minute of it. I could watch it again. It's It's got to go down as a Christmas watch for us, I think. I thought it was, like you say, I think it was incredibly funny. I mean, what is it? Six laughs and that's considered good comedy. I think I laughed about 20 times. Me too. It was really funny. Really funny. And it, you said something really interesting when we were watching it and you talked about how it played into Peter Capaldi's timing. Oh, I think so. I think, I think it worked because you had someone, a, a brilliant comedic, comic actor like Capaldi and Matt Lucas as well. I would also further add to that, I think Stephen Moffat can be really funny. Yeah, definitely. And so I actually think you have the combination of three people who were actually really funny, a script that was playing to all of those strengths. 
I mean, it was funny right from the start because the bit that I loved was when he meets the little boy and he's about the cough and he gives him a drink of water to be clever and then he, he gives him the stone and says, take that. Well, the kid takes it literally and does. Yeah, so there's this gag in the beginning with the doctor, like you say. He literally takes the doctor seriously and he does. He ingests this magic gem that gives him superpowers. Look, we have seen a lot of people get a wide range of superpowers, you know, because we live in the age of Marvel. Absolutely. And I just thought it was, like you say, really interesting and really funny way of giving someone... It was witty. Yeah, it was. It really was. There could have been another way of doing this, which would have been very po-faced, very, oh, look how awful Marvel and DC are. Aren't they so silly? Isn't it so stupid? But this was actually just a like a gentle ribbing, like a gentle joshing. Yeah, because there was a bit about Spider-Man. Don't we like him? Is that why they call him Spider-Man? No, he got bitten by a radioactive spider. And what was the result? Death? Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was. I loved it. I love the humour. I love the tone of it. Yeah, and I have to say that we also reviewed um, Runaway Bride together and I have to say I haven't laughed at any of these Christmas specials as much as I've laughed at this one, The Return of Dr Mysterio and Runaway Bride. Yeah, if yeah. you're looking to laugh over the festive period, I'd say watch them as a double bill. I think they're really Christmas appropriate. I think so, yeah. With lots of humour, excitement, and and although it was really funny all the way through, essentially it was still a, a doctor. You could still say, yeah, this is the doctor. This is Doctor Who. But it's interspersed with huge laughs. Now, it's interesting you should say that. Okay. Because I'm not totally sure that it is Doctor Who. I think quite early on, I sort of disassociated it from the rest of Doctor Who. Okay. In my mind, this is a comic that is written by a companion. That's brilliant. How clever. Well, because you've just got that thin layer of, you know, Doctor Mysterio is the Doctor. Yes, it's sort of veiled, isn't it? It's very knowing. Yeah. From the opening scene, which was a panel, which then showed you some of the actions that were going to take place later in the episode, and then it sort of opened out into the live action. For me, it was essentially turning the page of a book. Yeah, that's probably what it was. And you were in this sort of fantasy light Doctor Who reality, but I honestly don't believe that this is the same universe that Donna Noble inhabits or Martha Jones no. or Yaz or any of those characters. Yeah, it I, was kind of otherworldly, wasn't it? Yeah, it just, it didn't feel realistic. It didn't feel real. It felt like it was a fantasy version. I, it, and it was brilliantly done. I agree. I agree. I think it was a lot of fun. I mean, I would describe this episode as a palate cleanser after a 15 course meal. Yeah. It's the sorbet that comes between courses. It's light and it's fluffy and it means basically nothing to anything. It's completely inconsequential. Why do they call it Spider-Man? Don't they like it? He was bitten by a radioactive spider and guess what happened? Radiation poisoning, I should think. No, he got special powers. What, vomiting, hair loss, and death? Fat lot of use. Hey. What do you think? That looks... I know. Cheap. Oh, shut up. 
Get a cold there, Grant. I always get a cold at Christmas. Me too. What an invasion. However, one thing with this episode that I would say is that for me, the threat was not only not very scary, but it also didn't make a lot of sense. What did you think about the fear factor of this episode? I didn't really mind that there wasn't a fear factor because it was so comic booky. I didn't mind at all, really. Yeah, I mean, I suppose for me, the only issue that really didn't make a lot of sense was the Elon Musk type figure that we had at the beginning who was doing the press conference. And the brains were actually in his building. He didn't seem to know a lot about them, although he knew a little bit about them. And then they basically turned him into one of them. But there was a lot of A to B to C to D bits that were sort of missing from that. Like, for instance... My whole thing was, with Harmony Shoal, was it acquiring companies? Because it looked like that Elon Musk company maybe existed, or was he a spokesperson? Was he a front person for Harmony Shoal? Like, that whole thing did not make a lot of sense. Were they were they accumulating companies and then taking them over from the inside? Or were they starting new companies with people in the front end of things? It just... That didn't make a lot of sense. It wasn't very clear. No, it was quite confusing. Yeah, did they did they go in? Did the aliens go into the to the CEOs and take them over, and then they've got the company and go from company to company? It wasn't made very clear, was it? No, and I think their overall idea we're gonna blow up New York with a nuclear device. For me, it's a bit random. Yeah, but what was their what was their end goal really they just wanted to take over the planet but there must have been other ways for them to do it and I have to say when I was watching this the one thing I was thinking about was the Slovene oh yeah I felt like this was a redo of that episode you're right because you had, for instance, you with that episode, Aliens in London, you had the pig in the spaceship that lands in the Thames. So there was an alien invasion that sort of surprised everybody and enabled them to take over the top level of government. Mm. Essentially, this plan was blow up New York with a spaceship and then have all the people in government come to you where you can take them over. They kind of sound like the same plot to me. Even the unzipping. Well, yeah. No, it's interesting because they said zips in their heads. And we know that the Slovene, when they're dressed as humans, have got zips in their heads. (laughs) So this felt like a redo of that. But I think if it's anything, if you don't press too hard on the glass, it works. Yeah, definitely. If you think about it, if you press too hard on the glass, it doesn't work. And you just think, this is a redo of that. In many ways, I didn't particularly like those Ninth Doctor episodes. I thought that they were some of the weakest ones of the Ninth Doctor's run. They were. So, for me, this is actually a better version of that. Much better. Yeah. Yeah. Something that we also observed as we watched the episode was when the Doctor and Nardole are on the alien ship. It made us feel, or it reminded us, of Dirt Gently. It is. And that whole story in the first Dirt Gently book, when they go over, they transport themselves to the alien ship that's been stuck in orbit around Earth for Mm. millions of years. And it just felt really, really, really similar. It was really 
really jerked gently, wasn't it? Well, I think they took, I think they took elements Inspiration. again from Douglas Adams. Yeah. I mean, I think they plunder him all the time, but that's fine because he also plundered the work he did for Doctor Who. Yeah. So. <laughs> The other thing that I found quite, I mean, quite unbelievable, come on now. There were a couple of things we also found quite unbelievable. So the fear factor, I would say, is like a level two. There was, I had no real fear of those brain things at all. But I I do think that's very comic booky, actually. I do as well, but I was completely unafraid of them. I would say the other thing that I found quite unbelievable was the fact that in this day and age, well, not in this day and age, because this is, what, 2016, 2017, that anyone in that period of time would have a baby that they called Jennifer. I didn't really understand that. That's you, hasn't it? It has. I didn't understand it. I don't understand it. It's not realistic. People, this is a parent's name. That's really grasping, I'm afraid. You're really grasping at straws there and dragging them down. <laughs> I'm just trying to... Sometimes people do. Sometimes people do, fine. But, you know, let us know this. You're just, make, you're just making things up now. <laughs> and I know that the alliteration needed to be Lucy Lombard because of Lois Lane. Yep. But, for me, she should have been called Jennifer. And... The baby should have been Lucy. You can get away with a baby called Lucy because Lucy's a sort of classic name. However, I think Jennifer is very sort of rooted in a particular um time period, which is definitely the 1980s, a 1980 bit and before. You know, and so it's very rooted in that. Mm. And I just think for me, it would have been more believable because that just lifted me out of the moment and I was like... You did think at the time that Jennifer wasn't the right name, didn't you? You thought it was too old-fashioned and nobody would have used it. Yeah, I did. And I also want to say, I think her name was Lucy Fletcher because of Jessica Fletcher. Murder, she will. Exactly. The icon that is Jessica Fletcher. One the only. My personal heroine. I'm still devastated by Angela. I can't talk about it. (laughs) But I do think that she was maybe a Fletcher because of Jessica Fletcher. That's a a good idea. And I'm sure you've got something there. Which means she should have been Jennifer Fletcher. That works. It works. That really does work. Take note. Something that they should also take note of is the fashion especially Lucy's fashion which I have to say if you're trying to make the alliteration of Lucy Lombard Lois Lane for me they really missed a trick in leaning into those 1930s 1940s silhouettes with this 
And that red dress that she wore, that we both thought was disgusting, should have been full length. Disgust. The dress just doesn't do it. I agree with you, it should have been full length, because it's something and nothing. I mean, it's short, and that's all you can say about it, really. And it's red. But it's just so, uh, it's just there. It doesn't even look like it's a real dress. It looks like it is, was a full length dress and they like cut it down. Yeah, I think, I think so. And not, yeah, and it's, it's a weird length. Yeah, and it doesn't lean into any of those superhero conventions. I mean, I think if you look at any of the Superman films, Lois often wears a long dress in the style of like, the sort of silk satin of the 1930s, 1940s. Even, you know, in the Lois and Clark series, she did that. That dress would not make you go, No, it made you go, What? Who are you? Lucy Fletcher, reporter from the Daily Chronicle. Hang on. Why am I telling you the truth? Spooky, isn't it? Looking for a story. I think I just found one. Brains with minds of their own. No one will believe that. This is America. Who are you? Special Agent Dan, dangerous from Scotland Yard. Scotland, the doctor, for short. See, they've got institutes all over the world. They're always in capital cities. Nope. Yes. Yes, they are. See? New York's not a capital city, is it? You need to point out the mistakes. That's not what you're for. I also want to take a moment to talk about Matt Lucas because his introduction in The Husbands of River Song... Yeah was not the best introduction. No. He was annoying. He spent (laughs) most of it shrieking. (laughs) And it was irritating. He comes back in this, and it is different. His head has been glued back onto his body, and it's just like he is fulfilling for the Doctor, as we discussed as we were watching the episode. He's fulfilling that sort of Jiminy Cricket role. Yeah, with the conscience. With the conscience. And that is something that does carry over into season 10. You do have that. He is very much the anchor in that. He pulls him up, doesn't he? Yeah, and he reminds him constantly of what the stakes are. And mistakes he's made, the Doctor. And I think that Matt Lucas does a really brilliant job in the role. He's a wonderful companion. He's a great companion. And it's lovely to have an alien companion back. It is. Because it's one of those things we haven't had an alien companion for such a long time. And I think it's quite easy to forget about Nardole because he's not in it for that long he really only does the two christmas specials so he joins in husbands of river song he then appears in this christmas special then he does season 10 with this doctor and with bill potts and then that's it yeah you know so he's quite forgettable i mean in the future i think matt lucas and john bishop will both be pointless answers do you really 100% I think when it comes to Doctor Who and they go you know famous actor companions of the Doctor you know famous comedians I think John Bishop and Matt Lucas will be sadly yeah I can kind of understand with John Bishop because he didn't have much of a character to flesh out but I think with Nardole I think he did a wonderful job with that character yeah but you have to think of where it comes you have to think of where he comes in you know, yeah. as much on as... On the tail end, so to speak. Yeah, and I think as much as people... As much as people have a discourse around the 13th Doctor, the 12th Doctor's just completely forgotten. It's it, such a shame. It really is. 
It really is. But I think if people remember the 12th Doctor at all, it's during his travels with Clara Oswald. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have completely forgotten about season 10. Mm. And I have to say, not only is it the best Capaldi season, it's also one of the best seasons after season 5 that Stephen Moffat ever wrote. Yeah, it, it's it's good writing. It's consistent yeah. from the get-go to the let-go. The writing is consistent. The story is well fleshed out. It has a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah. The characters work really well together. It's such a great TARDIS team. Yeah, I, I'm in... Yeah, it's... it's Yeah, I can't fault you at all. You know, and so I think that... I think he will be a pointless answer because I think, like John Bishop, I think... Dan Lewis is a really underwritten character and John Bishop actually fleshed him out entirely. He did a damn good job. He really did. I mean, if he joins any cast in the future and you see his name on the list, you know he's going to turn out some good stuff. Okay? That's John Bishop, right? Absolutely. But like we were talking about Matt Lucas, he also joined a, a particularly, you know, I think the flux is... The best season you for do, the 13th Doctor. I really do. I think, again, it's the most coherent. It's well, that's the, true. It's the one with the best storyline. And they kind of, although the Timeless Child is a thread within it, it's not the main thread. I do think they drop, they miss the landing on the last two episodes. They do not stick the landing. And it really becomes kind of inconsequential at the end. But I think as 13th Doctor series go, it's one of the better ones. And yeah, uh, yeah. So they're almost really season 10 and season 13 are sort of action replays of what happens when it's the dying fumes of a Doctor that's either completely forgotten about or poorly written and you know you've got some great performances but nobody really remembers them and it's kind of like that's what's happened again and I really hope moving forward we don't have this again and more than that I really hope that they find a way to reintegrate Capaldi's era back into Doctor Who because when you go on any fan forums or anything like that it's sort of like everyone talks about 10 Everyone also talks about 11 and everyone says don't skip 9 and there's a lot of warmth depending on which forms you go on, go on towards 13 but 12 is just like ignored. I love 12. You know it's he's my favorite modern doctor. Yeah. But I think he is he's mine as well. Yeah. I don't think you can skip any doctors. No, no, no. No, that would be daft, wouldn't it? I think so, because they all bring something different to it. And it doesn't make sense if you watch 10, but you don't watch 9, because you don't understand the relationship between Rose and the Doctor. You can go on and on and on like this. But the main thing is, watch them all. You only need to watch them once. Give them a go. Everything else has always sad. But everything begins again, too. And that's always happy. Be happy. I'll look after everything else. Now don't. Hey, Doctor. Keep it real. 
Her name was River Song. They were together for a while and they were very happy. And then she died a long time ago in a library. Are you sure he's going to be all right? <laughs> he's the doctor. He's very brave and he's very silly. And I think for a time he's going to be very sad. But I promise, in the end, he'll be all right. I'll make sure of it. What did you think of Grant and Mrs Lombard? Grant and Lucy. Yeah. I thought, as standalone characters, I really liked him. I really liked the little boy. I really liked the performance of the older version of the character. I thought that they fitted together really, really well. They did. I believe they were the same person, but I have to have a caveat. <laughs> what man has the same dressing gown that they had when they were eight? <laughs> A very small man. They thought that's small. So, so there's two things that's either happened here. That dressing gown is like his cape <laughs> and just expands to fit him. Or... <laughs> well, he did have it on that night. He did. Or he's a sociopath and he's bought the same dressing gown. <laughs> he bought, he's just bought an entire roll of fabric and every year he has one made up. Because it was exactly the same. And the only thing I could think that they did was so that you knew it was the same character. They thought, oh, I know, we'll put him on the same dress (laughs) again. I mean... Easy peasy. (laughs) Because that's logical, isn't it? You you keep the same piece of clothes. From when you were eight, yeah. (laughs) My God, must have made us some strong fabric. And it just looked like it was ordinary sort of like... Fleece. Yeah, nothing particularly special. Though I did like the dinosaurs on it. They did were you? cool. I'm so surprised at that. <laughs> yeah, so um, for uh, listeners of the podcast, from when I was four until I was 16, I wanted to be a paleontologist and I was obsessed with dinosaurs. Everything dinosaur in the house. That's putting it mildly. We went to dinosaur exhibitions. Like We knew all the names of the dinosaurs. Everything was dinosaurs. <laughs> the dinosaur earrings. So yeah, I totally love Grant's dinosaur dressing gown. But I do not believe that he would be wearing it at, what, 30? It's not going to fit him. Uh, how are you going to get the same, same print of a dressing gown that you had when you were eight? Exactly. I mean, who's going to stock that? Exactly. I think Burberry are not stocking fleece dinosaur. (laughs) I love how your first thought is Burberry. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) They have long print runs. Yeah, no, I thought they I thought they had nice chemistry and I also thought that he was really believable in the role. And yeah, I thought that, let's be real, a lot of the standalone characters that appear in Doctor Who are often either incredibly cringy, incredibly annoying, or just bland. And I thought that they managed to just get over the bland barrier. I also, I liked the flashbacks that gave you just enough insight into his ongoing love of Lucy when they did the the when he was sitting there and he couldn't look up because he had x-ray specs eyes (laughs) I also liked the fact that 
it also showed you in that flashback his relationship with the doctor. Yeah. And that the doctor hadn't just completely abandoned yeah. him, you know, because the doctor can just abandon people. And so it was nice because, I mean, there's two sides of the doctor. There's compassionate and caring or there's magnificent bastard. Mm. And I think, yeah, we, we avoided magnificent bastard. <laughs> really well. <laughs> So I just want to thank you for joining me for another one of these epic, because they are epic, festive specials. Thank you very much for being my guest again. I loved it. I had a really good time. It was a fun evening. Oh, it was lovely to have you. Thank you, darling. (laughs) 